Good morning, everyone. My name's Josh. I haven't done that yet. And I want to take a little bit less time than maybe I'd planned uh, just to, to address um, uh, one of the kind of distinctives. I don't know if that's actually a word, but we use it as such. So it is now. Yeah, okay. It is a, it's a, it's a word. Uh, one of the kind of hallmark characteristics, and there might be an aspirant dimension to all of these, but uh, Pastor Graham spoke last week about how we've been in this process of putting together a document that we hope speaks to who God has made us and is making us. Um, and, and who in particular for where we are uh, for our context. So last week, Graham talked about the fact that we want to be a missional church. And um, we have this sense in which every church can be a part of the mission of God. But there can be something unique about the where and the when of your church, of a particular church. This, this week, um, it really flows on well from where Pastor Graham was speaking uh, about last week, uh, we're going to talk about the the issue of being spirit filled. So we've got this language in the document that it's going to be um, coming around for a little bit of of review soon. There's been lots of people consulted along the way, um, but we're not finished kind of putting this document out there uh, for the church to to have a think about and a pray about and a talk about. And we've talked about wanting to be and being a spirit-filled church that honours our heritage and pursues our future. We are a Pentecostal church, uh, and so the Holy Spirit is on the agenda for us. Now, I don't know what you think about, um, what sort of images come to mind for you when you hear the term Pentecostal. Uh, Perhaps you think about Uh, sort of charismatic and bold preaching. Uh, That's the bishop. Perhaps you think about people who call themselves bishops. Um, The Bishop T.D. Jakes, uh, a famous Pentecostal preacher in the United States. He's got, uh, if God has a voice on earth, it sounds like T.D. Jakes' voice, which helps uh, for him as a preacher. Maybe you think about powerful preaching, a chance you're in the wrong church if you do. Uh, But maybe that's what you associate with Pentecostalism. Maybe you associate some sort of dicey uh, theology with uh, some connected, interesting uh, political uh, positions. Gotta love a blood moon. Uh, That guy's church is actually, he's infamous slash famous, is actually called Cornerstone. And every now and then we get people from that church on our Facebook page. Page, yeah, <laughs> disappointed. Hilarity ensues, um, but it's all foretold in the moons. Uh, it was bound to happen. Um, perhaps you think about maybe this is a slightly younger demographic that thinks this way. Perhaps you think about preachers in ridiculously expensive sneakers. Perhaps you think about um, some slightly fringe and uh, maybe slightly challenging kind of practices, like falling over, weird stuff happening in church. Perhaps you think about some slightly fringe and definitely weird practices, like handling snakes 
in church. That happens in the Appalachian Mountains in the United States with our Pentecostal brothers there. Uh, yeah, well, there's definitely reptiles that get handled in this church from time to time. In fact, I came in here yesterday because the alarm went off and I live closer, so I get that joy. Um, no one had broken in, but there was a very big skink in here, so keep an eye out for him because he's big enough to set the uh, motion sensor off. <laughs> that wily old devil, <laughs> that serpent, wasted my Saturday afternoons. Uh, I've still got a sweet spirit about it. Get behind me, Satan. Um, I found this along the way, which doesn't really have any bearing on what I want to say, but I just thought it was funny. Uh, how the snake handling churches are going during coronavirus, social distancing between the servants. It's a good time. Yeah, that one's just for Cameron. Um, I don't know if you think of any of those things. Maybe you don't, and I've just introduced a whole heap of barriers for, to you for Pentecostalism. Maybe some of you are thinking, well, you could do with a, a bit more charisma and a better pair of shoes. We'll get there. I said it's aspirant. Um what I think of, let me tell you what I think about, because all, all of that comes up for me. But where I like to land, one of the places I like to land when I think about what it means to be Pentecostal, I think about this guy. His name's William Seymour. Uh, William Seymour was born in, in the later part of the 19th century in Louisiana to, to some emancipated slaves. So one of the things that happened in the U.S. as um, African-Americans were emancipated from slavery, they often uh, received a plot of land to, to farm on. His parents were sharecroppers after they were freed from slavery, but they were still dirt poor. And uh, one of the things that was happening around that period of history in the United States was, I mean, the United States was really... Um, a bit of an experiment. Um, it was, and you can ask me about this later, this is an Easter egg for anyone who cares, which might be no one. Uh, the United States was an experiment in that, sure, it was kind of a Christian country, but it was also a secular country. Um, and th there was a kind of a diverse yet potentially quite nominal Christianity across the United States. Um, but then there were these great renewal or revival uh, movements. And um, stuff started to happen that kind of broke out of traditional denominationalism in the United States. And, and one of the things that happened in little spot fires in the 19th century was people speaking in tongues. So it wasn't like a, an organised movement. It wasn't even something that had a, a centre sort of focused place. It definitely didn't have... Um, a strong connection to a particular denomination, but little spot fires you would hear about of people speaking in tongues, uh, like known tongues, uh, people um, experiencing miraculous healing. And anyway, uh, William Seymour, the, the later part of the 19th century, son of emancipated slaves, he he hears about this and he hears of a man teaching in his sort of part, the south of the United States, a man called William Parham. And this guy, sorry, Charles Parham, this is William Seymour. Ch Charles Parham taught 
based on Acts 2, which we'll have a look at in a moment, taught that we could receive a baptism in the Holy Ghost, which was a baptism of power for witness. And it would be accompanied by the sign of speaking in tongues. So William Seymour gets himself down to Texas, where Charles Parham is delivering some seminars on this, some teaching. Uh, there was a, a law in place at the time, the Jim Crow laws, you might be familiar with them, which prevented Seymour from actually going into the church where this seminar was taking place. But the history tells us that he sat outside on the steps for days, taking in this, this, this teaching of Charles Parham about a baptism in the Holy Ghost accompanied by the sign of tongues. And it gripped his heart, even though he didn't receive that baptism. He was invited to Los Angeles to a small community there run by a woman uh, to, to come and, and, and teach and share. They hired a hall on a street called Azusa, which you may have heard of, and began uh, to hold some meetings there. And Seymour preached for, for weeks, actually, about the gift of tongues and baptism in the Spirit, even while he didn't have it. Eventually, people began to have this experience of speaking in tongues and a powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit. Some really interesting history uh, comes out of uh, this period of time. Uh, one commentator who went said when they went to the meeting that no instrument or music was used there. It wasn't needed. There were no choirs. The, the angels um, have been heard singing in some of the meetings despite no human voices being heard. No collections were taken. That'll come as a relief to some of us if we get back to, get back to Pentecost. <laughs> no, we're not going back. <laughs> uh, no bills have been posted to advertise the meetings, this witness said. No ch church organisation backed the meetings. All who are in touch with God realise as soon as they enter these meetings that the Holy Ghost is the leader. A, a, a Christian magazine at the time commented on the fact that proud, well-dressed preachers often came to investigate what was happening at Azusa Street. But soon their high looks were replaced with wonder and conviction came upon so many of them. Very often you would end up finding them wallowing on the humble, dirty floor of this hall, asking God to forgive them and to make them as little children. Accounts included the blind receiving sight, diseases being instantly cured, people speaking in German, Yiddish, Spanish and other languages, uneducated black members of the congregation. Sorry, this is what, you know, a contemporary source from the time. Uneducated black members of the meetings translating languages unknown to them, people playing instruments that they'd never played before, sporadic a cappella singing, and of course, speaking and singing in tongues. 
Charles Parham, who initially taught William Seymour about the baptism of the Spirit and speaking in tongues, actually travelled up to Los Angeles to see the meeting and he was horrified that a mixed congregation was being led by a black man. Women were getting up and preaching and prophesying. Even the man who initially seeded the idea for Seymour couldn't handle where God wanted to take it. And so for those early decades, Pentecostalism had this radical flavour. It was turned on its head relative to the culture around it. It was unheard of for black people to reside over and teach over white people in the United States at the time. Here in Australia, a Chinese-Australian woman, Mary Jung, similarly taught with power to men and women of all races. Miracles happened. She planted hundreds of churches walking around on her feet that were bound up, as was the tradition at the time. There wasn't a systematic theology, which is a disappointment to me because I love theology. What there was was an experience of power of the Spirit. It's an experience that Seymour saw in Scripture and that we, to this day, can find in Acts chapter 2. And I'm just going to flick through some highlights. You can open up your Bibles if you like, just to keep me honest here. Many of you will know this famous chapter, this important chapter for us as Pentecostals. So Pastor Graham mentioned that the disciples were gathered in Jerusalem at the Feast of Pentecost. Chapter 2 begins by saying, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what appeared to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And then this line, catch it. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So because of the feast, there were Jews of all sorts gathered there in Jerusalem from all over the known world. And um, they were amazed at what they saw. They said, just skipping forward to verse 11, we hear them speaking about the disciples. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. They were amazed and asked each other, what does this mean? It says in verse 13, some, however, made fun of them. They've had too much wine. Famously, at this point, the Apostle Peter stands up and addresses the crowds. These people are not, and this is verse 15, drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. It wouldn't stop us in Australia, would it? But, um, but this is what was prophesied by the prophet Joel. In the last days, verse 17, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. That sounds a bit like Seymour's meetings at Azusa Street. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. 
Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Peter goes on to preach a powerful sermon that I don't have time to get into, but it's a sermon that is directed at the hearts and minds of Jews who know the story of what God has done through Israel and yet might not have come to see Jesus' place in it. In verse 36, Peter begins to wrap this sermon up and he says, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you've crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the other apostles' brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptised. Skipping down to verse 41, it says, those who accepted this message were baptised and about 3,000 were added to their number that day goes on that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. So what's key for us there, I think, is not just that as Pentecostals, we tap into this thread in Scripture, this theme in Scripture which talks about a kind of supernatural, amazing manifestation of the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit in our midst. Speaking in tongues. But that this is for a purpose. So the power of the Spirit comes upon the disciples and they can, and we see Peter do it, witness to the good news of Jesus in the world. He's empowered to preach the good news, which is followed by repentance, which is followed by the message being accepted by people and them being baptised and joining the movement. Whatever you've thought about Pentecostalism in the past, this is what it is about Pentecostalism that we identify with that the life of the Spirit is available to us for the ongoing advancement of the mission of God in the world. That good news, the good news that God loves the world and sent his son Jesus to save it is available to all. And so, you know, it was interesting and we're okay with it. When we began to talk to people about Pentecostal as a kind of identifying distinctive of Cornerstone. Uh, there were some of us, maybe all of us to some degree, who were a little like, oh, how do we feel about being associated with snake handling and $1,000 sneakers? And, the, you know, whatever, you, whatever uh, blood moons, whatever the blocker is for you. And we thought, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe we're okay to have some issues. I, I love all that stuff. Um, but I know some of you struggle with it a little bit. And so we ended up sort of deciding, at this point anyway, after this sermon you might change your minds, that we'd use the language of spirit-filled. Because here's the thing about Pentecostalism, it never was about a denominational theology, right? It was about a response 
to an experience of the power of God. The first Pentecostals were Baptists, Wesleyans, Presbyterians. They were simply people who had a radical encounter with God, a radical infilling by the person of the Holy Spirit and were empowered to preach the good news. That is what we identify with at at Cornerstone and you can call it what you want. Honestly, you can call it what you want. I'm going to get the the team up because I am running out of time. But um, experience. Pentecostalism is about experiencing the power of God. You know, we're aware here at Cornerstone that not everyone has had that powerful experience and that's okay because the other part of it, and it's interesting, Pastor Graham's been using this word over and over again and we haven't planned it. We're expectant. We're expectant. One of the great joys of my life was that I got to uh, grow up with Benny Hart um, and just that's enough to have been a great joy. But something that I dream about, a past that will never again be, was we played a lot of soccer together, Ben Hart and I. Is he on Kids Church? He probably is. Um, Ben's a great bloke, but he was actually a really good football player as well. And he was unexpectedly fast. Um, So he played striker, scored a lot of goals for Brisbane City when we were growing up. I wasn't as fast, but I could pass the ball um, so I was normally playing around him somewhere. But because we just, I mean, we were mates since we were four or five, we played so much soccer together, I knew how fast he was, even if the opposition didn't. And um, over the years, I learned that I could put the ball just a little bit further ahead than defenders could kind of compute at the time. And Benny, he'd get there <laughs> and he'd score a goal. <coughs> I expected him to get there even when others didn't. I think that is what it's got to be like for us. That's what we're trying to cultivate here at Cornerstone, that we have an expectation that the Holy Spirit can get there. The Holy Spirit's faster than Ben Hart, let me tell you. (laughs) Even Ben Hart in his prime. But you see, see what I'm saying? Like in our humanity, certain things are possible but just beyond what's possible for us <laughs> is the territory of what's possible for God. And being spirit-filled, being Pentecostal for us here at Cornerstone means we want to cultivate a culture where we, we expect the spirit to meet us out beyond the boundary of what's possible for us in our humanity. And it's got to be practised. <laughs> we've, we've got to grow in that but what we want to do is be a people who expect God to meet us out (laughs) in the realm of the miraculous out where God really needs to meet us out where the world has its wounds I have to pull up stumps there I'm mixing sporting metaphors I'm out of time (coughs) this isn't a place where, you know, you have to exist without doubts, without questions. We don't want to cultivate a culture of stupidity. But we want a culture 
of expectation. <laughs> and so we're going to be rearranging the furniture. We're going to be we're going to be taking turns at encouraging one another when we're down in the dumps, when we don't have enough faith. We're going to be playing the ball just slightly beyond <laughs> where we feel we can reach it without the help of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to leave it there. <laughs>